0: Hey, guys, a quick thing. I did a bit of rambling on the first, uh, I think, maybe 12 to 13 minutes of this podcast about the MJ documentary and a few other things. If you watch the MJ documentary, uh, you know, or any documentaries, uh, please go ahead and listen. I really enjoy talking about it. If you are only interested in the Indian wedding bits, you can forward to about, I think, minute, uh, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 around there. I uh, just give it a skim through. But uh, from the, I will put the link of what the exact timing is. Hope you enjoyed this podcast and see you next week. Wait a minute, What's up guys, and welcome back to another Birdie Num Num podcast. It's Sanjay Tala, Mr. Sanjay Moniktala. Now recently married just got married that's right a couple of weeks ago um i was married in bangkok on february 21st for a three-day big fat wedding extravaganza it was good fun um yeah i don't want to talk about it too much on the personal level out of respect for my wife but uh, you guys have seen her in some of my videos before she is a very talented very smart very funny funnier than me uh woman that uh, luckily also does not have good judgment which is why <laughs> she's she's married to this guy and we are going to do our court marriage this week very exciting but yeah it's good to be back guys hello how are you how is march treating you march 12th as i record this just off the cuff of a lot going on uh you know i'm going to talk about indian weddings in this podcast but uh, what happened recently? We had Women's Day. We had uh, the Michael Jackson documentary, which, you know, before we get into Indian weddings, actually, let me let me talk about this Michael Jackson documentary. Did you guys see this? If you didn't, um, it's called, I think, Finding Neverland or something Neverland, Leaving Neverland. Uh, it's this latest MJ documentary from HBO which is a little hard to find online but come on guys if you are my listeners my fans you know how to torrent and how to do all those things to find access on your fire stick or your chromecast or whatever you do but wow i saw this documentary the mj documentary and the power of media dude is crazy like um you know i, I saw this great meme years ago that you know you could literally make a documentary um uh, to support any cause, you know what I mean. Like, if you were a really good video editor, you could probably make a documentary to have you sympathize with like Hitler or something. And I'm not saying anybody should. I'm just saying that's the power of filmmaking. Where if you cut and pick, you know, sound bites from TV shows or from politicians, just the way the news does every day. I was just watching uh, my good friend Kunal Kamra, who has been on my podcast before, yeah, his latest stand up clip just about ten minutes ago. And you know a very common topic you see anywhere is the news is so biased, but on that note, I'm not saying I disagree with the documentary I think um as much as you as much as you realize like you know m j was amazing uh dude, kids should not be sharing a room with a grown man. I think that is pretty uh pretty obvious, and they should not be sharing a bed and yes, I mean I think we were all all of us literally the world. I mean, dude, if you saw Justin Timberlake right now or the lead singer of Maroon 5 or even Shah Rukh Khan running around the world, you know, with seven, seven-year-old 7 boys, you know, seven boys who are 7 to 14 years old, just in his entourage, you'd be like, um, you know, where are the women, bro? Uh, you know, where are the women children even? Which is actually I mean, an even worse thought. But, like, I'm just saying, this guy was, like, literally flaunting uh, his, you know, pedophilia or whatever. And again, I'm not saying absolutely 100% he did it, but I think the the evidence is pretty damning to say he did it. And where I stand right now, I mean, you know, there is no smoke without fire. And I'm not MJ. I'm not as creative as he was. I don't know what it meant to be at that level and how weird and warped not having a childhood would have been. But uh, you guys got to watch this documentary. They basically... And, you know, a lot of the other documentaries for the last 20, 30 years were talking about how people just want his money. They want to accuse him. They just want to mess around like that. Uh, but this one is, you know, they had this guy, Wade, who was like a big dancer for Britney Spears and all that. This guy has made his money. I think he's probably got 5 to $10 million easy in the bank. You probably knows after being famous for this, there's not really anybody going to be like, hey, can you come, you know, choreograph this or whatever. Um, but he is literally, it doesn't seem like he has anything to lose in doing this documentary. And, uh, yeah, man, this guy, it's really hard not to believe, put it that way. And they had, after I watched a documentary, I do what all of us do is like Google around to support my, you know, judgments and opinions and stuff. And they, I saw a 60 minute interview with Gail King, who, if you don't know, is like Oprah's like best friend, like Oprah's homegirl. You know, I think everybody has one, you know, like when you make it famous, you gotta bring up your crew with you because what's the point of being on top of the mountain if you're if you're up there alone, you know? No one to take the selfie on the summit. Um, I love those Everest photos, by the way. By the way, do you guys remember those like there's like two cops from India who like faked summiting Mount Everest? I don't know if anybody ever remembered this. I know I'm going off topic, but uh, it was like the worst Photoshop job of all time. And like they just took a picture. They they took somebody else's picture with like different jackets, different clothing, different sunglasses, and they're like, Yeah, that's us on top. We changed halfway through the harshest environment known to man. We were just like, oh, time for a change for the selfie. But um, yeah, so this guy uh this guy Wade is saying it, and you know, the that kind of debunks the whole argument of people wanting money because why would you do that and it was just really hard hard to watch and I watched it my wife and I watched it and um yeah you got you guys should I think that's the power of celebrity dude that that nobody realizes like um how much we worship them dude and how they can do no wrong and celebrities or politicians but literally anybody in the media it's like well if you it's kind of like a family member you know because if I watch Tom Hanks and he's made me cry, he's made me laugh he's made me you know, sad, he's made me happy, and then I find out he kills puppies, I'll be like, no, nah, not Tom, you know, I saw him in a video he did for a million dollars for money, and I don't think he would have done that, but, uh, I mean, it is what it is, man, that's what I love about documentaries, you know, I, I watched one documentary, he didn't do it, I watched another one, he did it, <laughs> It's it's like, I watch one documentary, you know, climate change isn't real. I watch another documentary, we're all gonna die. (laughs) Like, it's so hard to actually know anything about anything, dude. Like, you know, politicians say this, it gets taken out of context. Everyone wants ratings, everyone wants views. Even a show like The Daily Show on Comedy Central, which I grew up idolizing and worshiping and, you know, thinking like, you know, These guys could do no wrong. These guys know everything. You know, they're talking about capitalism is evil and, you know, Republicans are this. And yet they're doing it from their iPhones and their gas guzzlers and their private jets. And it's just so hard to literally take anything seriously anymore. I feel like if you want to know what's going around in the world, look around, you know, because if you're not going to leave, you know, if you're going to be around a 100 kilometer radius for like 95 percent of your life, I think. Just try to make sure that is doing as best as it could. You know, take care of your maid, take care of your driver, take care of your family. Obviously, take care of you know your neighbors and all that stuff. And from there, have fun and you know make it a better place for you. God, that's horrible, dude. That's the first song I thought of as I'm talking about. I went from my wedding to the MJ documentary to. I mean, it was a good song, dude. Ugh That brings up I'm gonna get to weddings, guys, I know, but that brings up another topic of dude, like how you know, I mean, after the whole Me Too thing and we saw Louis C.K. and and all these big powerful men who are just guilty of so much or, you know, had these things that they were doing as they were on their way up or their whole life or whatever, you know, it brings up a good point, like Even I, you know, I grew up in my comedy career, you know, from the age of whatever, 24 to now, which is much more than 24, um, just idolizing Louis C.K. And Bill Cosby, I I wasn't a huge fan, but I did see him live and it was something to watch. Um, But at what point do you separate, you know, the art from the artist, right? Like, you know, can I listen to a Michael Jackson song now and not feel bad about his crimes because I'm just enjoying the music? Um, can I listen to a cover of a Michael Jackson song and feel fine? You know, if Justin Timberlake sings a Michael Jackson song, and it's a really nice rendition, you know, on some YouTube video. Is that all right? Uh, or is everything he's done tainted? And then on that note, is everything he's collaborated with or anyone who's worked with him tainted? You know, Justin Timberlake did a song with him, you know, five years ago, post-mortem, as like a nice mashup. But does that mean he benefited off of a pedophile's success or whatever. So, and in Louis C.K.'s case, can I enjoy the joke objectively about, you know, a man trying to cook dinner, knowing that, you know, this dude is like this, you know, can you separate the art from the artist? And me personally, I think uh, in life, you you probably have no choice, you know? I think uh, all of us watch Hollywood movies that have, you know, womanizing production crew or actors or um, crazy drug addict, these sorts of people. And I mean, everything, I mean, this is part of the human condition, right? So, I mean, you can obviously do your best. You cannot, you know, buy Louis CK's tickets going forward, um, or, you know, you can forgive or you can leave it up to somebody else to decide, you know, the people who were at uh, the mercy of these things. But I don't know, man. I feel like, I mean, I'm not trying to make this about me too. I mean, this was, this was about weddings, but, um, you know, I really feel like it's just a very important thing to think about because we live in a time now where everybody is going to be an artist. Everyone is going to create, everybody is, uh, you know, doing this and that. And I mean, nothing, you know, even the purest humanist, humanist, even the purest kindness of soul is going is, is to say, like, dude, unless you do not have electricity and you live in a hut and you eat your own stuff off the dirt, um, you know, all of us have partaken with our Chinese slave labor phones and our, you know, free internet and tons of other stuff. We have partaken in, you know, our disposable clothing. H&M is, like, one of the biggest polluters now by just literally making— a million pieces of clothing a day that that are worn like twice. So um, that doesn't mean you can't improve it. I just feel like in terms of art, you know, Van Gogh was like this, or Leonardo was was this, or whatever. Uh, ultimately, you have to appreciate the art for what it was as a standstill piece of art um, and try to ignore the rest. But obviously, with singing, it's a lot harder to do when the guy is singing at you, talking about loving you, and you know what he really loved. But You know, maybe with a film or a painting, you know, it's a little bit easier. I don't know. Curious what you guys think. Do let me know. Um, I will ask my wife about the same topic because as comedians, we got to ask civilians and remember that not everybody's mind is as warped as us. But on that note, yes, segue. Okay. Uh, Indian weddings. Wow. I had a wonderful, wonderful Indian wedding. Um, And I'm not saying that because it was mine, but it was mine. We actually did a joint wedding. Uh, my fiance or my wife sorry my wife uh my wife and I got married and her sister um had been court married uh about a year ago uh, maybe more and you know when we were dating my wife and I uh, her dad saw the writing on the wall you know he was like hmm i see that i have one daughter who was court married about 6 months ago and i have another daughter who is dating this humorous guy who makes these videos online. I don't know why he does them, Uh, (laughs) but I guess it's cool. Um, I don't want to call my friends from around the world twice in like eight months. I am not an Mbani. Oh, yeah. How did that guy do two like literally two weddings in six months? His parties just look like ridiculous and they don't even look fun, Uh, which is going to be the theme of this discussion about new weddings. But yeah, we decided to do Two weddings at once, uh, meaning we did a mandi and a sangeet the first day together, two couples. Then the second day was our wedding, and the third day was their wedding, followed by a joint reception. And I kid you not, it was the best experience of my life. We don't do these single couple weddings. We prefer to double down and do two weddings at once. You know, that's my that's my white hoity-toity Chicago Midwestern voice. But uh, yeah, man, we both got married. It was the best decision of my life. Um, I could talk about it literally for an hour, so I won't bore you guys. But um, the interesting thing for me was the fact that I go to a lot of weddings, uh, or I used to because my brother has a company in America called SODJLA.com, where they do these big fat Indian weddings literally every week. You know, they do DJ sound and lighting, but obviously my brother was a guest for my wedding, um, But, you know, I have a huge background in that from the time I was 16 till about maybe 15 till about 23. I spent about eight years uh, doing his events, carrying speakers, duct taping wires, playing music, making announcements, emceeing, DJing till one, two, three in the morning. Uh, You know, praying for that $50 tip at the end of the night from some drunk punju uncle who's like, you're a funny guy, yeah, I like you. Play it. and I'm like, Uncle, we've played it 30 times tonight already. Play it again. I'm like, Uncle, no, I can't do that. Here's a hundred dollars. Okay, I'll play it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and I started to think, you know, it has literally been Indian wedding. Uh, it's been the year of Indian weddings, I feel. You know, from all the celebrity Indian weddings, Deepika Ranveer. Uh, my brother stole his outfit, by the way, from my wedding. It was hilarious. You can see photos online. He's wearing a, literally the same exact Ranveer thing, elephant thing. By the way, I watched Gully Boy last night too, and that was really good. Apna time aega. upna time aega. Hmm hundred grega i don't know apna time time i mean that's that's all i got <laughs> i don't know who that that movie was good but it's been a year of indian weddings back to indian weddings and um i don't know i really really appreciate a good indian wedding you know every indian wedding uh, you know, has the typical thing, the NRI, the foreigners. One of my favorite sketches was this Goodness Gracious Me sketch from like years ago. Goodness Gracious Me, a fantastic show in the UK, like Indian Saturday Night Live. That's how I would describe it. Look up the sketch and there's this Indian guy. He's like, oh, hello. And there's a white girl. He's like, oh, hello. Good to be here. You know, and uh, he's basically taken around this white girl at his like cousin's Indian wedding and she's like, oh, my God, what's that? And he's like, oh, those those are the pharaohs. Yeah, they walk around the sacred fire. And, oh, my God, what's that? And he's like, oh, yeah, that's the maindi. Th- they do this, like, you know, ceremony. And then there's a Haldi thing and turmeric, and it wards off evil spirits. And she's like, wow, amazing. And then she's like, what's that? And, you know, he doesn't know. So he's like, oh, that's where you light the sacred incense. And <laughs> it's just a guy smoking a cigarette. <laughs> like it was, I, I don't know. I found that funny. But. What makes a good Indian wedding? Let's get back on topic cuz we're at minute 15 or 16 and I would like to to you know keep this under 30 minutes but um unless you're on the treadmill and you're listening to me and you want me to go longer and longer and longer on the treadmill or the elliptical God, I hate the elliptical. It's like such a waste of time, but I do it literally every day. Um But what makes a good Indian wedding, guys, I I was watching all the pomp and circumstance of the big, fat Indian weddings I saw. Priyanka Chopra, Ranveer, and Deepika, uh, the Ambani weddings, and, uh, you know, a few other friends' weddings I saw. And uh, even all the weddings now that, uh, you know, we were getting married. We were researching and saw a lot of weddings that happened in, like, Phuket and Bangkok and, uh, you know, Italy. And they had, like, Akon and Charu (laughs) Khan. And uh, Salman Khan, you know, I, whoa, I just realized that that's a cool lineup, dude. If you're one of those rich, like, Cindy textile guys, like, in Southeast Asia, and you're like, yeah, we got, we got Salman Khan, Sharu Khan, and Akon. khan <laughs> She's nothing like the girl. Okay. Um, so I got to say, man, like, I, I, I got a couple things I got to complain about with Indian weddings, but I also got to tell you guys what makes a good Indian wedding. Number one. Food, okay? Uh, you might think an Indian wedding is for the couple. Oh, no, no, no. The Indian wedding is for the guest, okay? Um, if your guests are not having a good time, if they don't feel welcome, if they don't feel you've thought about them, contrary to what you think, they have taken time out of their lives to be here. And you also want a happy guest because a happy guest is somebody who makes you feel happy because there's love and there's warmth and no better way to increase serotonin levels more than ecstasy more than drugs and alcohol is food. There's a reason obesity is the hugest epidemic and we in India especially are not the healthiest. with All our paratas and chicken tikka masalas and sag and naan and biryani and all that stuff. And food is one of the biggest deals of all. If you don't nail, you know, a lot of these youngster couples, youngster couples, like, you know, 25, 30. Like, we just need to have, a, I don't know, I know Indians don't sound like this, but we need to have a great bar. And just, yeah, one chicken tikka dish, you know, one veg dish. A biryani, some starters, and we're good. <laughs> oh, you are so naive. That is so naive. No, 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 my friend. Good Indian wedding. I mean, more than 150, more than 200 people. You need to have making sure, literally, you have two buffets, one buffet for the vegetarians because they have to be respected and thought about because these are Indian weddings and a lot of vegetarians do exist, and one buffet for the non-vegetarians and at our wedding, we even had people like, can you say if there's nuts? Because I have a nut allergy and I don't know if we did that or not, but mainly you got to make a good dividing line between the veg and the non-veg. You got to make sure you thought about each because a lot of weddings, one group is vegetarian, one group isn't. You don't want to have an incident where somebody from a small town is like chomping away on some tom yum. This is amazing. What kind of mushroom is this? It's prawn. Um, to prawn mushroom and they're going to feel like it'll literally ruin someone's entire wedding experience and your wedding. So make sure, you know, with a lot of Indian weddings, you know, whether you're spending one lakh or five lakhs or 10 lakhs on your food, um, go the extra mile, 10, 20%, you know, spend a little bit more, more than you need to and just make sure you have coverage on starters, on main courses, on desserts. Don't repeat a lot of stuff. You know, don't have 19 paneer dishes. Um, or the same gravy, but then a different, uh, you know, a different, like, uh, whatever, meat or something. Like, don't have a chicken tikka masala and a prawn tikka masala. Can you have prawn tikka? I don't know. Um, but anyways, make sure the food, I I kid you not, this is probably one of the most important things. Even if your speeches are boring, even if other stuff is not happening, even if you're late and there's drama, a happy guest is a well-fed guest, is a guest who feels like you really wanted to go the extra mile just to make sure there's a lot of fun choices to eat at, which is the most common thing we can all share and enjoy. So nail it on the food. All right. Second thing to make a great in a great Indian wedding. All lifestyles of the rich and famous Indian weddings. I'm Robin Leach. Um, <laughs> to make a good Indian wedding, and this is a free tip, you guys. Um, make your guests feel special. And let me rephrase that. Second tip to have a great Indian wedding. Second free tip to have a great Indian wedding. Speak to each of your guests as man and wife for like two to three minutes. That's it. That's all you got to do. All right. You have 200 people. Make sure you stop by their table. I know you have to take photos. Those photos mean nothing because they're boring and you're stressed and you're tired. Don't stand in line and just wait around for an hour. But make People feel special at my wedding, our wedding, especially I told my wife, let's go up to your friends and family from Goodrath. Let's go up to my college friends. Let's make sure on the day after the wedding was over, a lot of people stuck around. We went to their rooms individually, five, 10 minutes each. And we were like, Do you guys have a good time? Oh, you were so drunk last night. And I kid you not. One of my close friends, Joni was like, that was the highlight of your wedding for me the music was amazing the food was amazing the drinks were amazing the pool was amazing the hotel was amazing but just the fact that you came to my room and you sat with me for three minutes me and my husband asked us how we're doing we had a few laughs about the weekend and you said all right I gotta go to my puja now but like you know you guys are are you guys good she's like that made I knew you were busy I knew you were stressed but that made all the difference and it's a free thing you know time is you know whatever, I- in- invaluable. Yeah. But, uh, it's also free. So uh, that's deep you guys. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, man, I would say, uh, go around to your guests. Third tip food again. <laughs> um, you know, uh, fourth tip, uh, keep it short and sweet guys. I got to say a lot of wedding receptions, a lot of events, you know, like it was so cool, man. Like, after our wedding was over, we I had an African band, Blessing Bed, who I loved. Look them up on Instagram. I posted about them. Literally the best band I think ever. Uh, they will make any Indian wedding. I don't know who that is, but I'll answer that in a bit. Um, but they will literally make any Indian wedding amazing. And I, um, yeah, we had a thing, and then so we finished from our from the mandap. We walked over to the table to eat something after taking like a hundred photos. And then the band started. These guys were amazing. My mom sang a song as part of her speech. That was amazing. She was like, you are my son. And I just started crying within like two seconds. I was like, oh, for sunshine. Like, I literally started crying. And and my mom was like, make sure love is about respect and you all respect each other. And yada, yada. And I I turned around. My friends are crying. Then the band played again. Then we all came up and we started dancing. And by the way, when you get married, just remember, you are not going to eat, Okay. Um, you are going to have zero time. It's literally like being a celebrity. In fact, during my own wedding, I was like, I got to work harder, dude, if I want to feel like this, just outside of the wedding. You know, like I'm used to taking one or two selfies if I walk to the mall here and there. Uh, maybe that happens once a week or so. But never in my life did I expect like to feel like how I felt at the wedding. I literally could not turn around without somebody saying hi, hello, somebody grabbing me Somebody taking a photo, somebody asking how we're doing. And you become a master of that kind of glazed over. All right, you good? I'm going to go somewhere else. Like there was a point during the three days where I just like, I think after the Sangeet was over or between the maindi and the Sangeet, I found myself just by myself for like 20 seconds and I just ran to my hotel room and I sat down in the balcony and I was just like, Wow. And I, and it was so cathartic, so important. Like I literally, I mean, I mean, I could have done it taking a dump. I know that too, but I just sat down and I didn't have anyone around me. And, you know, eventually somebody knocked on my door. My cousin called, he had like a pair of shoes for me or something or whatever, but it was just a lifesaver, dude. It was like, whew. Anyway, so, um, on that note, uh, point number four or, or three, cause I said food twice as a joke. Um, make sure if you have speeches at your Indian weddings, in comedy, we say less is more, you know, um, and it's so fun. my own brother got mad at me because during the reception, he's my brother and I love him to death. But I was like, hey, I told the emcee, yo, tell my brother, keep the speech short. And he was like so hurt by that because he wanted to say something long and nice. And I was just like, our guests are getting bored because, you know, guests are God." Um, as we said in our made to a sketch, which is why I remember that Hindi line um and no but we did have a lot of speeches and they were all great they were all heartfelt but um it's very important to remember that not everybody knows everybody speaking and i told all my friends keep it to you know max 2 to 3 minutes because everyone doesn't know you here everyone doesn't know me here even some of them don't even speak english so just try and uh, i think we did a good job at that but always remember you can do less is more with your speeches I mean, don't just have a get drunk and dance party. Have some emotion and sentiment to the evening. You know, I would say, at every wedding, make sure some parents of the couple speaks. Okay, make sure the couple speaks. Ideally, I think that's very important these days for the couple to speak and to express their warmth and their love for everyone who's made it. Um, a lot of couples don't do that. They have million, five million dollar, ten million dollar weddings, and I will never understand why do they, they do not put the kids to just say, thank you all. Your presence means a lot because dude, there are some big fat Indian weddings now where the guests do not even get to say hi to the couple. This is not game of thrones. All right. This is not some big Royal meet princess Diana from a distance sort of shit. Like you need to feel warm and welcome. And if your wedding is more than 500 people, um, I know, I mean, I'm talking the big fat Indian wedding, not the like Indian village wedding where there's like 8,000 people, but I just don't see the point. In having a celebration because you're just going to have a smaller celebration later with your real close friends and family so i mean why do this pomp and circumstance fine if you have if your dad's like a factory guy and he needs to invite all 400 of his employees i get it i understand it um but make the time to talk to everyone please 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 um on that note have an agenda point number five have an agenda make sure every minute is accounted for, but also make sure people have time to rest. At our wedding, we had a, we had people check in at 12 noon. We had our main the start from one, although we knew it wouldn't kick off till like 2.30. And we had to end at five because we wanted people who had flown from across the world and checked in that morning to relax from like five to 9 p.m. Then our Sangeet started around 9.30. So we, we, we like specifically scheduled a block of empty time And I really think people appreciated that. Some of them went to the pool. Some of them hung out. Some of them found love in a hopeless place, if you know what I mean, after getting drunk after the... It's so fun to see like your friends flirt with people at your main D and then continue that flirting into the Sangeet and then continue that during your own wedding. Yeah, you know who you are. I saw you guys. Um, And then by the reception, is it on like Donkey Kong or is it not? But uh, uh, make sure you have an agenda, guys. So... And the last... Last big tip I want to give because I rambled so much on this week's episode of the Birdie Num, Num podcast. I'm sorry, guys. I was excited post-wedding. Um, this was a fantastic tip. My cousin actually got married at a big, fat Indian wedding in Goa a few weeks before, and I am just, like, so having a hard time getting back to work here because I went to two amazing weddings, including my own, uh, in the last month, and they had a stellar, kick-ass wedding. It was homely. It was intimate. It was beautiful. Um, my cousin, although otherwise they'd be listening. Asked me to MC it like a minute before the thing started. <laughs> but on the, on the, like, on the, another note, um, but there was an amazing, amazing idea that I took from his wedding. So simple, so amazing, and that was literally having a WhatsApp group of every single guest. No, 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 no! Don't roll your eyes yet. They made a WhatsApp group with every guest, their wedding planners made it. So all 250 people were on the WhatsApp group, but nobody could respond. No one could send messages except for the couple. They were the only admins of the group and literally on their laptop, they wrote a very detailed message every morning of the day's events, the day's festivities, and they sent it out. No typos, written like perfect marketing copy. Um, all the questions you want to know, where do I get this iron? What do I do? What time are people going to be there? What time are people really going to be there? Um, are you guys running late? And they sent one or two messages a day. That's it. Um, and it was beautiful. It was amazing. Like it was such a cool idea. I copied it for my own wedding. I think it was a great idea because You know, you're on this big, massive group, but there's no spam. No one's cracking jokes. No one's making sure that, you know, they're distracting anybody. I mean, no one's making sure, but like, you know, no one's distracting anybody. And so everyone, since they knew they couldn't respond, actually read the messages. And that's the beauty of Indian weddings and the beauty of working in a corporation and the beauty of just being part of being a human in 2019. We get 600 emails a day. Even at our own wedding, I had sent out the itinerary the fashion of how you got a dress and all that stuff. And of course, as expected, nobody read it. Nobody filled out the forms. No one did anything except asking you individually, hey, what about this? What about this? What about this? And I mean, it happens. It's normal. I understand. Uh, but uh, that WhatsApp group was like a lifesaver because you're literally, in a simple way, just telling people again on the day of, here's what you got to know today. And, you know, it's like the New York Times, like five things you got to know to start your day. Um, That's literally literally what we did, and it was a great, great idea. So I thank you, my cousin, Akshat Gupt, uh, from Supari Studios in Bombay uh, for letting me steal that wonderful idea, him and his beloved wife, uh, Anjali. So um, that was awesome, and yeah, guys, those are my five good tips for what makes a good Indian wedding. I hope you guys would love to share your suggestions on what you did at your wedding. And if you enjoyed this podcast and my rambling, Um, and you know, uh, I'm looking forward to your suggestions, keep them coming on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, even some on YouTube. Um, our podcast, uh, is doing pretty well. It's picking up. So anyone who's listening as of now, uh, I am still responding and, you know, taking your suggestions and stuff. And hopefully as this gets more and more, uh, notoriety and popularity, you know, we get to have more topics, more guests and stuff. So, let me know what you think. Please like, share, subscribe, uh, write a review on iTunes or Google or Stitcher or whatever. And I will see you guys next week. Sanjay out. Birdie Num Num. Birdie Num Num. Birdie Num Num. Birdie Num Num. That's right.